This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. For more information, visit Flevy.com. That's F-L-E-V-Y, Flevy.com. Our guest on this segment is a veteran sales and business development expert, and consultant. Over a period more than 10 years, Howard Highsmith was a branch manager for three PC resellers and sales staff that produced significant revenue growth in each case. Results in the first venture were 234% growth after the previous period. That's period over period. He then was recruited to join a national reseller managing a two-person sales office that grew to 10 field salespeople with revenues topping 20 million and with annual revenue growth at 952%. Finally, Howard became the director of sales for a regional network integration firm that had four sales offices. In the first year, they were ranked 343 on the VAR 500 list and generated more than 21 million in managed services and product sales from 14.1 million. Clearly a seasoned expert in all things sales consultancy. No wonder they call him the Gray Fox. Howard Highsmith, welcome to the program. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. It's awful nice words. You are welcome, sir. And uh, I should also mention that you are, of course, a contributor to the Flevy.com platform, uh, the sponsor of this podcast. And uh, we're going to hear more about the work you do there as well. You have Good. recently, as we were talking offline, you talked about a shift in your business model. Talk to us about this focus you have called CEO Slots. How are you thinking about your new venture? My mission is to help small to medium-sized businesses embed an an analytics model in a way that will transform their insights regarding both business values and especially revenue generation and growth. That's where I sort of have, over the years, have uh, been most successful. I'm going to guess that you've made observations over those years about the the, the blind spots that CEOs might tend to have 
And I'm going to guess, if I, I know you well enough to know that a lot of the work you're now focused on grew out of those observations. What were some of the things that you noticed that CEOs may have trouble with in terms of their blind spots? Uh, great question. It, it really seems to be, from my perspective, the, sometimes we're, we're under, they're under so much pressure to produce and so they sort of lose sight of the objective. Yeah. Uh, they are ultimately the person responsible to direct the way information and data is communicated to them. Uh, said differently, they should be inspecting what they expect, inspecting what they expect. Mm. Next, the revenue, a revenue generation growth, sorry, a next revenue growth today must address two major components not just one. In the old days, uh, revenue growth was based on growing the existing base of clients. And while that's still an important element of a, a strategy, new business development is the name of the game. Uh, that's where the growth is going to come from. Yep. It's also where, interestingly, where the strategy fails. I, what I have found over the years is that most or all of us rely on what are called KPIs uh, or key performance indicators. Uh, and while they may, they may and will remain an important element to the process, they are all historical. They don't provide any new business development. The entire process is all new unpredictable, very difficult to predict, uh, if you will. And and it's that element that I find to be most concerning. I'm the architect of a, of a model called Key Future Indicators, or KFIs, that will be an augmented uh, set of data to the KPIs. So you've wow. got historical and you've got a key future indicators, which is a an analytics model to try to incorporate elements of the sales process so that the information it becomes much more accurate. There's no such thing as accuracy in new business development. Total accuracy, 100%. But the problem is most of it is what I call a wag. Yeah. So, if you will, excuse, yeah. excuse the expression, a wild-ass guess. Yeah, no, that's uh, right. Because that's there right. is there is no method, no foundation for managing the process. Yeah, no. And that's... I've created uh, KFI analytics uh, is based on a process, a defined process. So it is a defined set, just as the lagging KPIs would be. It's a, just the future looking uh, to help guide the CEO and their team, uh, their sales uh, force uh, into the future. That's so beautiful, and it was sorely missing. So. Uh, what a great outgrowth of your experience and observations, Howard. Uh, you've mentioned that the, the VP of sales does, in fact, fit into your services. And some listening may say, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, how does that work? How does the VP of sales fit into the range of things you provide? They are crucial. However, the one caveat to that is, and the answer, of course, is yes, they're crucial. Right. At the direction of a CEO. Where I find the handoff between a CEO and VP of sales often is based on instant gratification. And there's no time allowed for a VP. They're under great pressure 
to produce as are, as are the CEOs. Uh, it's the old stuff flows, flows down the hill, if you will. Um, yeah. But they're, they're under a lot of pressure to produce, and I find them to be turning in more often than not to tactics that really don't have any true connection to the defined strategy. And so you end up with very mixed results that vary all over the lot. It's the yo-yo effect. So they kind of go so, off the rail. They don't stay with the plan. Yeah, they do. That's exactly right. Right, right. Uh, if I may, let me give you, let me cite an example, uh, sort of a sales example. Uh, this is a true story. And in fact, that I will quote word for word what was said. Let me explain. I was meeting with a client, prospective client, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a software developer who had a national sales presence, and they have a head of EP of sales. I was in the office to meet with the president of the company, but he was tied up at the time, so I was sitting in, in a, an area adjacent to the VP of sales. And so I overheard a conversation, and it went something like this. He said, if you will buy my software licenses this year, uh, we will give you a 30, 20 to 30 percent off our suggested list pricing. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the first question: Which one, if you were the person on the other end of the phone, would you be interested in, 20 percent or 30 percent? Well, there's a big swing there, depending on the, the dollar amount. But uh, yeah, that's a good question. You, oh, this was very expensive uh, software. This so certainly, was, the 30 percent number uh, would resonate. Yeah, exactly. And and what uh, the, the end of this story is about an hour later, uh, I ended up meeting with the president of the company who said, I'm very frustrated with that we continue to have trouble achieving our revenue goals. Well, there's no wonder. When you're giving away off the top 20 or in this case, maybe 30% of off of the the suggested price, uh, that's all profit dollars. That goes, in effect, that's a loss straight to the bottom line. That sounds like it would be. And so, that's not business. You don't want to pay for the business. <laughs> right, exactly. And so... It, no, that's, that's uh, remarkable. But, but just flying by the seat of their pants without any real planned constraints around the economics of making such an offer and uh, understanding the ramifications of it on revenue... Uh, or net revenue. Uh, anyway, that's <laughs> profoundly. But this relationship of the VP and the tension between the CEO and the vice president of sales uh, is a part of your focus because you understand that strategies and implementation can break down because communication isn't clear. Exactly right. It's sort of the been there, done that, been a VP of sales and understand the levels of frustration mm. Moreover, I understand the need to produce revenue and achieve revenue goals. And that's, if I could, I may get a little ahead of this interview, but one of the things I've been very fortunate is to be able to, to develop strategies that work very well in highly competitive marketplaces. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and as such, uh, my mission sort of at this stage of my life is to share some of that knowledge with both CEOs and at their at the direction 
the VP of sales. Yeah, it's so so critical to have someone like you. You'll pardon the expression with gray hair, the gray fox coming in with, <laughs> with, with a perspective that young, the younger CEO presumably uh, just could not have. Uh, and I'm sure that takes many shapes and colors. Uh, Howard, for those listening uh, who may be in a C-level position or a CEO specifically, can anyone sign up for your services or do you focus on certain industry sectors? The short answer is no. Not any, I won't uh, accept any CEO from the business to consumer marketplace. Mm. Why? It's pretty simple. All of my experience for my entire career has been business to business sales. And so I would, no, no, I would in no way want to represent myself as highly knowledgeable in, about business to consumer. And that's a different sales model. So. Yeah, it really, uh, it really I, is. Yeah, I stay, yeah, yeah, I stay strictly with business, to, business to business sales organizations. And a lot of your experience, if I understand you right, we've talked offline quite a bit, is is in the technology space, right? Right, exactly right. Uh, if I had my choice, if you will, it would be companies that have that are operating in what is referred to these days as the complex sale. Mm. A complex sale is is typically one or more people involved in the decision process. In fact, today the average is 6.8 people are involved in the decision to buy. And this is also typically capital equipment purchases. Okay. So you're not talking about a $100 item. You're talking about thousands, tens of thousands in many cases mm. of dollars worth of, worth of uh, acquisitions. Yeah. Companies, whether large or small, are very careful to make those types of commitments. Uh, I read a study, in fact, yesterday, where, and it's really a shame, where 77% believe that the sales rep doesn't understand their business. And that's pretty scary. Well, when you're talking about a huge capital expenditure, a balance sheet item, uh, you know, that, that, that make, getting to a decision of yes uh, I would guess the prospect needs to have full uh, confidence in the uh, representative from the, on the sales side to uh, to support them uh, with the objectives and leveraging that investment. So that's uh, that is exactly right. Disappointing. Now, I, in your experience, do you also deal with what I'll call expense items? That is, software as a service as well as capital. Managed services has pretty much taken over. If I understand your question correctly, I was uh, I was comparing over. it to you, you described the big pieces of hardware that fall on the balance sheet. They're capital expenditures in the tens and uh, many thousands of. But there's also the subscription, you know, month to month or year to year contracts. That's exactly right. right. I'm wondering if that's a, a place that you like to focus as well. And they're called MSPs, a managed service provider. Ah, there you go. And yes, absolutely. In fact, the company that I uh, worked for as a director of sales, we were what was referred to as a at the time as a network integration firm. It was critical for us to go in, our sales staff to go in uh, with, by the way, technical uh, support reps to analyze a company so that we made the best decision or recommendation for the company that was our prospect. Um, mm. So that whole process is requires, uh, one, some significant knowledge of networking and infrastructure. So it's no longer just hardware. In fact, in most many cases, 
it's not it's all services and not wow. hardware wow because yeah. they've already got hardware yeah, that, yeah. you know the, the technology has moved so far uh, down the road but you still so, in in all of these cases howard you have people selling to people and implementation of uh of goals that need to be uh, uh revisited iterate, iterated and implemented out on the field and that's sounds like that's the, the the inflection point for where you can add value um holding the company and their staff the vp of sales and their staff accountable to a set of parameters future going as well as guided by the kpis the the, the, the backward true. look uh, if i'm extrapolating from this segment this is great let me ask you about fee structure in terms of how you work uh howard how do you like us to think about your fee structure i would like to them to think that it depends exactly on what a client needs. I have gone around and around trying to figure out this answer to that question. And the, the truth is there's no easy cookie-cutter answer yeah. here. Yeah. I call it CEO slots mainly because it allows a CEO to establish what their needs are and to be billed monthly. In 55-minute increments, uh, either 55 or, or I can be a one-hour call, if you will, or two hours at a time, but it's all done typically by appointment. And it's a monthly fee. The fees range from $480 a month up to several thousand dollars a month, depending yep. on what they're doing. Yep. If it's a project, you know, help them with the transition, transformation to uh, the, the analytics model, uh, or not. Okay, excellent. So Thank I'm trying not to try not to predefine yeah. that they've got to do this one, two, three, four, in order to to do business. Well, um, and the good news there is you're you're customizing the model and the solution for each client as you encounter them. Right. Yeah, that's great. By the way, we're visiting with Howard Highsmith, uh, an experienced, seasoned advisor to uh, technology and related organizations uh, around the business development process and uh, and understanding how to adhere to their uh, growth trajectory and uh, build their businesses. You're also a contributor to the Flevy.com platform. What did you uh, author for Flevy? What what can we find from Howard Highsmith on the Flevy.com platform? Flevy has done a wonderful job of becoming a resource for both CEOs, VPs of sales, a variety of topics. I have several posted at Flevy. The first and my big, my major piece of work is called Breakout Sales Growth Methodology. And then I've got two smaller ones called Dare or Delivering Against Revenue Expectations as a sales model, some of what we've talked about today. Beautiful. And then <laughs> here's, the, here's the biggie, uh, why quotas are a poor choice for goal attainment. <laughs> and right. and so because quotas have for so many years been the the, the stalwart for how goal attainment's managed, and I'm saying that doesn't work anymore. And then I did a study. It's the study is has been updated from a couple of years ago to be called "Why Salespeople Fail," and I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but. I think there were 90-some responses from CEOs around the United States uh, indicating what they felt and so I about the success or failure of sales. 
people, mm-hmm. and I captured all that as a verbatim and uh, reported it in this document, plus some of my own thoughts. So that's available. And mm-hmm. then the last piece is called Sustaining Sales Growth. Uh, you know, it. I guess the bottom line, if you really stop and think about it, increasing sales is a function of doing variety and sundry of specific things and that are just they're expected to generate result. The trick, I call it working smarter and not just harder, is finding ways to sustain sales. And that's a whole different animal. Uh, that's not so simple. It requires, but that, and that's where the analytics model becomes so, such a critical element to sustaining sales because if you're not working, managing, in effect, information and data off of a standard platform that's a foundation for what you're doing, then you're, you, it's whatever floats your boat that day. I know as a VP of sales, I was called on to forecast near-term sales. Oh, guess what? At the time, this is before I, I architected the, the KFI model, I, it was, okay, John's a good guy. Uh, he's not too quick to say things, so I'll go with what he's saying he will close next month. Bob, on the other hand, he's a bit wild, so I'll par, pare down what he's saying into a different number, and they, they, that little dialogue goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. For each, for each salesperson, well, what you end up with is a pure guess. That was that wag I referred to earlier. Yes, the wild-ass um, guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have any any basis. And if I was a CEO, it would give me great pause to know that the way the information was being presented to me about near-term revenue growth, of which my job as CEO is on the line for, uh, is is based on some uh, subjective opinion. Yeah, I don't think I'd like that. That would give me I that would keep me up at night. Yeah, that's so, so beautiful. That's, and that's sort of the gist of it. Exactly, yeah. fundamental to your approach is, is creating this consistent set of data that uh, drives business development and uh, the sales process uh, for staffs for all the clients that you work with. Howard Highsmith, the company is Gray Fox Associates. The program we've been talking about is, of course, CEO Slots. Howard Highsmith at the helm of these uh, programs and the company. Howard, what's a good way for people to reach you if they're interested in the services you're providing? Oh, 828-302-2222. It's an easy number. 828-302-2222. Or they can email me at Howard at GrayFoxAssociates.com. Excellent. And it's Gray as in G-R-E-Y, Fox. Ah, Fox. thank you. <laughs> That's exactly right. And G-R-E-Y, Fox. Got Associates. it. Associates. Excellent. Thanks, Laurel. Howard. Howard, is always great to be with you, great to talk with you, and uh, wishing you continued success you, with, with the Endeavor CEO slots. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. Find them at Flevy.com. That's F-L-E-V-Y, Flevy.com.
www.thefloorcafe.com. Remember, you can hear more interviews like these by subscribing to the Flevy.com channel on YouTube or the Business Executive Interviews podcast on iTunes. Mm-hmm.